you did and you just relax because we're with you. Say that out loud. We're, we're with you. We're behind you, aren't we? We're with you, man. Great message. I love this guy, and enough said. I think y'all know how much I love him, and uh, it's an honor for me to have Alex Christie giving the message today, and it's called Choose Thanks. Say that out loud. Choose Thanks. Let's tell Alex we love him. Come on. Amen. Come on. Go get him. Thank you, Pastor. It's funny. It's, I'm actually going to talk a little bit about like how opposites are today. And Pastor had no sleep, and he has more energy than I do. And I slept for like 13 hours last night. We caught a four. Uh, we woke up at four. Caught like a 6:30 flight out of New York yesterday. Got home, and I was snoring on the couch by I don't even know, like four o'clock in the afternoon. And by 6:30, 7 o'clock, I was in bed. And I just, I slept through. I slept through to like 4.30 this morning. Woke up like a million bucks. And you're still bouncing off the walls better than I ever could. But it's funny, that's the idea of choosing things. That's the idea. It's kind of an opposite thing today. Um, the example I gave, the first service was, I was flying back yesterday from New York, and, you know, they got the TVs in the backs of the seat, back of the seats. And... Seinfeld was a show I, I never got to watch. It was just during a time in my life when I was too busy to watch TV much. But the, sh the episode that happened to be on was the episode where George does whatever he did the opposite of what he felt like he should do, and everything worked out. And how Scripture, when you think about it, really is that way. You know, when, I mean, we're, we're in the Beatitudes and, and during the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus spoke about different things and the reference he gave where the poor would be rich and different examples like that where it's kind of confusing. And you're like, well, how does that work? How does a camel get through an eye of a needle? You know, there's so many different examples in Scripture that are hinting to us that maybe we shouldn't go with our first reaction on things. And maybe we let the Lord lead and we choose to be different because it's not always the best option to take that first option. So today we're going to talk about choosing thanks. And in order to be, thank um, in order to be thankful, regardless of your situation, involves making a decision only you can make. God's not going to come down and make you do this. He's not going to, he's not going to force your hand into being thankful it's something that you have to wake up in the morning and just say, I'm going to be thankful today. No matter what comes my way, no matter how good, no matter how bad my day starts and ends, I'm going to choose to be thankful. And we see it all through Scripture. The word thank is found 170 times in the Bible and often found in the context of hard times. Usually people are, are being hunted, people are dying, there's something bad happening, God is judging people, and there's thanks being given still. Our thankfulness can't be based on how good or bad things are, but instead on the fact that God is good, faithful, and true. And that word true means honest, truthful. He doesn't lie. He doesn't backtrack on His promises. Sometimes we don't see things fulfilled the way we want it done, but that's not the point. That's God, you know, God's got the final call. I mean, like I was just the other day with our, with our grandkids, you know, we give them candy. They're disappointed because they didn't get enough candy. They got candy, not enough candy in their minds. If I gave them what they wanted, they would lose breakfast. 
But it's just, we can be that same way. And that's why we, we look at God the Father and we have to remember we're the children and His perspective is stronger and better than ours. So being thankful and happy are not the same thing. We get that confused sometimes. Because happiness is, uh, I forget exactly how I put it, yeah, happiness is more of an emotion or a feeling we get when we experience pleasure or contentment. That's how we feel. We feel happy. But being thankful is something that we sometimes have to choose to do. On Christmas morning, kids are so happy. They get to tear into the presents. They get to, to get all their new gifts. But the second you tell them, clean up your mess, that thankfulness and the happiness kind of ebb a little bit, and it becomes a chore, and they don't want to deal with it, and they just want to do what they want to do. Well, we have to be careful not to be that way ourselves. When we, we, we see this, when we read through the Bible, how thankful, being thankful is a choice, especially in the book of Psalms, where the word is used 64 out of the 170 times it's found in the Bible. King David, who wrote the book, most of Psalms, not all of it, some other people wrote some of the Psalms in the book of Psalms, right there in the middle of your Bible. Um, but David wrote many of them. And he was the youngest of Jesse's sons. He was anointed king as a child. A prophet came to him when he was a little boy, called him off of the sh being a shepherd, and told him he's going to be the king. He killed Goliath. Now, there's a lot of variations. People wonder if Goliath was six foot tall only because, you know, everyone was shorter back then, so that would have been like a big person. Some people say as high, tall as 12 feet tall. It doesn't matter. If you've got a little boy with a rock killing a, the best soldier they've got, full body armor, giant sword, and this little kid kills him with a rock, it's a big deal. He was then King Saul's armor bearer and musician. He became Saul's trusted military leader. He had direct access to the most powerful man in Israel. Uh, he, he was a comfort to this man. And the man seemed to love him. And that was a lot to be thankful for. David had it made, right? I mean, he had all that stuff going for him. But then, unfortunately, Saul became jealous and hunted David and wanted to kill him. Sometimes when men and women and anybody would promote somebody and they even love that person, and then that person develops maybe a greater following like David did. All of a sudden now, you know, David was the young, handsome guy, the leader, the military leader. And people were flocking to him. The military honored him, loved him, followed him in the battle. Saul got jealous. Saul, Saul was not right. But this is when David wrote many of his psalms, showing his thankfulness and praise to God, even in the hardest of times. Can you think of a time when you've been persecuted? And most of us, I know some of you have had horrible experiences. Most of us haven't had a life and death scenario where we're being persecuted. But can you think of times in life when you've been persecuted and you've been able to give thanks because you chose to do so? The definition of thank is to express gratitude to. And there's some other words for thank, like acknowledge, cite, command, uh, commend, compliment, credit, honor, recognize, glorify, and praise. Those are words we use often in church. But some words that are opposites for the word thank are discredit, disgrace, dishonor, humiliate, shame, 
bad mouth, defame, libel, malign, slander, boo, hiss, hoot, jeer, condemn, damn, denounce, and mock. So, I want you to think about this now, please. If being thankful is a choice, and we have to choose to be thankful, when we choose to not be thankful, that's what we're showing to God. Instead of being glorified, we're shaming Him. We're condemning Him. Why did you let this happen? That's a condemnation. That's saying, God, you know what? You picked me out today and you ruined my life. The same God that sent His Son to die on the cross for your sins and didn't have to create you to begin with. I mean, He's, he's a God of, that keeps His promises. I just said it. He's a God that made covenants and all these things. But I often joke about it in my, the back of my own mind. He's still God. And if He really wanted to, He could just shake up this ant farm any time. He really could. But He's a God that keeps promises. So we have to remember that. We have to remember that and give Him those thanks and praise even in the hardest of times. And I'm not implying here if thing is that you are in life and things are going horribly wrong, that if you're not skipping around and saying thank you for everything that's bad happening, I'm not saying that you're, in the, that, that you're wrong for doing that. I'm not saying that you have to pretend to be happy or put on a false uh, face just to show everyone how good things are, even though they're not. But there is something we can do. We can be like David and choose to be thankful. Remember, thankful and happy are two different things. You can be thankful and hurt at the same time. Being happy and hurting at the same time are different. But being thankful while you hurt will take the edge off of that pain because you're choosing to say thank you. David gave thanks for things that had not yet happened during the darkest hours of doubt, fear, and persecution. He trusted God, and that's a big deal to God. So often you see it in the Scriptures where the word trust pops up, and it's so important to Him that you trust Him. It's the key to your salvation. Trusting in Him. Putting your faith in is the same thing. Trusting Him. And that's why David was a man after God's own heart. David was a messed up, messed up person just like you and I are. He did things probably worse than most of us in this room have done. And some of us have probably done the same things that he's done. He had a relationship with a married woman and then had, his, had her husband killed. Got a man after God's own heart? Has anyone tried to do the math on that? It doesn't work, does it? Why? How? Maybe because, I don't know. I mean, you could almost say, well, David wrote it, so maybe he just gave himself the title. No, this is God's Word. We can have trust that he was a man after God's own heart because he trusted God. And how did he trust God? He never turned to false gods. He never once. You can't find a spot in Scripture where King David ever worshipped a false god. He made bad decisions. He goofed up. But he always was contrite afterwards, and he went back to God. Where other, all the other kings ended up, unfortunately, worshiping false gods or raising themselves up in their own hearts as false gods. And that's why they weren't men after God's own heart. But the reason why I bring that part up is just to encourage you today. If you're struggling with being thankful, if you're struggling with trusting God, you can still be a man or a woman after God's own heart by learning to trust Him more, learning to be more thankful. 
So why should we be thankful? It's important to be thankful for a lot of reasons. God benefits from it uh, through, through you, and you benefit it right here on earth. So number one is, being thankful glorifies God. It gives God glory. Corinthians, uh, Paul wrote in Corinthians, but having the same spirit of faith, according to, to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke, we also believe, therefore we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things, <clears throat> excuse me, for all things are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading to, to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. There's that word thanks. Choosing to be thankful and glorifying God when you're hurting puts you in a special position. Showing the world your love when you're hurting and not just when things are good. When you think of testimonies that have really touched your heart, things that have made a difference in your walk, things that have energized your walk, it's when you hear about somebody going through a terrible experience and then they get on their knees and they glorify God anyway. And they give Him honor. And they, they, they talk about His value and they talk about how good He is. The world is coming apart. And you, and you sat back and thought, how do they do that? How can they, after losing a loved one, losing a child, give glory to God? But they do it. And that's, what we're, that's, that's that giving thanks part. That's giving thanks and, and understanding that God's a good God. And bad things happen sometimes. And it's not God cosmically picking, you, picking on you. Because God doesn't do that. We'll talk about that here in a moment. So being thankful helps us also see God for who He really is. Sometimes we get a, a messed up vision of who God is. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive a crown of life for which the Lord has promised to those who love Him. Let no one say that he is tempted. I am temp being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and He cannot Himself uh, and does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. It's not God's fault. It's ours. Then, when lust has con conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Now, in other words, lust and things like that, you start thinking about sexual sin and just different things like that. But that can also just be not thankful. You just, you're, if you're not thankful long enough, you start becoming a different person, don't you? You start becoming a person that maybe isn't thankful, but you're also not ever happy. And, and every time you're around somebody, you're complaining about somebody else. And then when little things happen, you get so annoyed, it's like people look at you sideways like, who is that guy? He's losing his mind over nothing. And then, when the big things happen, your whole world comes apart at the seams. It builds on each other. And that's that birth of the sin there. Over time, we let things go. We let things go. We don't check ourselves. We don't remind ourselves daily, no matter what, Lord, I'm going to be thankful. And after a while, we get bitter. So every good thing that is given... And every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shifting shadow. 
Excuse me, please. <clears throat> While the circumstances of life may change, God doesn't change. And the example I love to give is like our solar system. If you can envision the sun in the middle being orbited by planets, and I know there's variations, but the sun generally doesn't move, right? That's how I like to envision God. God is an unmovable force. You're not going to talk God out of stuff. It seems like in the Old Testament that, you know, like Moses had to prod God in, into making other decisions. God knew what he was doing. He already had made the covenants. He wasn't going to go back on it. But he, he, he worked with Moses. But God doesn't move. And the closer you are to God, the warmer it is, like the sun. The closer you feel, the more in touch you feel, the more thankful you are. The more uh, when, you, when you pray, you feel like, man, oh man, you know, the God is with me when I'm praying. But then we tend to wander off. God doesn't change. We do. Circumstances happen. God's still sitting right where he's at. And it's up to us on how far away or how close we want to be to him. And if we wander off into Pluto land, we can't be surprised when it gets cold. We can't be surprised when we pray and we feel like we're just talking to the wall. We can't be surprised when we get so full of anxiousness and frustration and, and we find no relief talking to our Father. We have to look back at ourselves. Where's our walk? Where are we? Because He's not moving. He wants you to come back. There's no work. Just come back. He'll take you back. If you're, if you're a saved Christian in this room today, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, your sin is far from the east as to the west. So come back. The throne room is open to you. But you have to make that decision to come back. He doesn't drag you back. So number three, being thankful puts us squarely into God's will. God's will is, is what he, the perfect plan for your life. Uh, I've, I've, I've said it earlier again. I, I stopped praying for specific things. I, start, I watch the news and I start freaking out regarding my grandkids and the world they're going to have to grow up in. And then I force myself to stop. I force myself to stop paying attention and I start praying for God's will to be done in my loved one's lives. All of them. Because He loves us. He loves us. So therefore, His will in our lives is the ultimate perfect life that we can have. So being squarely in God's will is where you want to be. And being thankful is something that can help you get there. And I love the fact that we have short little scripture verses. I know that, you know, when they wrote these letters to the churches, the little numbers were not in front of the verses. <clears throat> People way, way later down the road added the numbers and broke it up into verses. But it makes it easier to memorize. And you can remember the words, always. Oh, excuse me. Rejoice always. I can't say it, but you can remember it. Rejoice always. Rejoice always and pray without ceasing. There's two verses for you that go really well together because you need them both. If, you're rejo if you rejoice always, pray without ceasing because the prayer will help you rejoice always. It's okay to wake up and ask for help. It's okay to wake up in the morning and go, Lord, I'm not feeling very thankful. I don't understand why I don't have a roof today. I don't know why this storm had to hit the way it did. I don't know why life is hard. I don't know why my loved one is sick. I don't know why I'm not talking. I don't, I'm not feeling very thankful today, Lord. 
Help me be thankful. Start there. Start there. If, if life right now is so overwhelming to you, and when you wake up in the morning and you are just like, oh, another day, and there's a little part of you wish that wishes that didn't even wait, you didn't wake up that morning. God has a plan for your life still. And choose thankfulness. Ask for help to be thankful. And everything gives thanks for this. For God's will for you, in, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The prayer part, all of that works really well together. If you're a saved Christian today, who's inside you? The Holy Spirit. In Jesus Christ. If you are in Jesus Christ, that Holy Spirit through prayer, through rejoicing always, will make a difference in your life. It's like a really nice little tight, perfect formula to start your day with that in mind. Because a Christian's joy is not dependent on our circumstances, but instead on what Christ has done for us on the cross. We can get so worried about this day-to-day, and I get it. You're living day-to-day. You're here now, right? It's, you don't want, we're not supposed to look so far into the future. We're not supposed to worry about yesterday. We're commanded to live today. But at the same time, we can get our eyes off the prize that if you're a Christian here today, your place in heaven is secure. You have a home in heaven. There's a mansion prepared for you. And there's going to come a time when all of the wrongs in your life are going to be righted. And you're not going to worry about them anymore. And you're going to have full and total utter peace being in the presence of God. So it's an amazing thing. We can lose sight of that. So don't forget. So number four, being thankful brings peace. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, when thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Anxiousness is the killer of thankfulness. These two things can't exist in the same place. A few, a few, about a, two years ago or so now, uh, we were getting ready to go visit my son in Minnesota. And uh, it was days before we were getting ready to hit the road. Or hit, get, on, get on the plane, I should say. We're, we don't drive anywhere. I don't like to drive like pastor drives everywhere. I can't do it. But I, I barely make it to Tampa for the plane. Um, but it's, we, we were getting ready to go. And my wife had had some check, you know, health check stuff, just basic things. And we get a phone call on a Saturday from the doctor. It was weird because doctors don't generally call, you know, and, and unless it's something, something serious. And we get the phone call and they're like, well, we need to see you next week. Well, we're not going to be here next week. We're going to Minnesota to see my son. Still had never seen his home at that point. No, you're not. You're not going to Minnesota. You're coming into the office next week. Well, that, that was cause for anxiousness. That was cause for terror because you don't hear that unless there's a problem. And after I had a few moments to like really kind of gather and keep my face straight because, you know, I mean, my wife's a trooper. She, she wasn't losing, losing it or anything. But, you know, obviously there's concern when you hear that there could be something fundamentally wrong inside of you. And my first or second thought was, God, please help me love you still. 
no matter what happens here. Because I don't know if I can if something happens to my wife. I'm going to need your help, Lord, to still love you. Because I, I just don't know. And I said that, and I felt peace right away. And I felt like it was, it was like it was like God just letting me know, I got you. I know you're not strong enough for this, but I am. And none of the, nothing is going to be a surprise to me, and I've got you. And I genuinely felt that way. And then by the grace of God, we did the test, we canceled the flights, did all this, we, and everything worked out well. And praise God, my wife is healthier, healthier than I am today. And it's just, it's fantastic. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> but I tell you, that anxiousness, I felt it suck the thankfulness right out of me. And I looked at and, and everything darkened for a moment in my own heart. And then after the fact, and after I realized, and again, while we were going through it all, I was able to realize, I need to be thankful. I need to be the strong one. Not just for me, but for her. But not just for her, but for our children. And not just for my, their, my, our children, for their children. My grandkids. If something happens to Grandma. And she has to be that way and that, if something happens to Grandpa first. And choosing thanks. Choosing to give God glory. Remember all those words that, came, that were part of thanks earlier? To do those things and glorify God. I tell you what, it will make those hard times easier when the time comes. Because they will come. There's no avoiding it. It's just called life here. We're not ready to be perfected just yet. Not on this side. So choosing thanks is, is a way to, to enable you to be stronger. So number five... It also brings contentment. Being thankful brings contentment. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into this world so we can, cannot take out anything of it either. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and snare and, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. See, they, people will misquote that and say that money is the root of all evil. Money is a tool. Money is just paper and metal. It has no power over you. But the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And some, by longing for it, have wandered far away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Do we know a lot of people that have done that? That go out there chasing money, chasing the bigger boat, chasing the, the, the big house, and man, their families fall apart, bad things happen, and, and they lose it all because they're chasing a dream. So don't get caught up in the stuff of your life. The only example I can, best example I can give is my wife and I, when we got married, very quickly we took over my parents' business Right here in town. We had, we had a restaurant here in town. And it was booming for a while. We had, we had great success early on. Had a lot of fun doing it. And then it started to go downhill. Construction on the road. I can give you a million excuses. Believe me, I've played them over many, many times in my mind. But the thing is, we felt it going. We knew it was going downhill. And we were still going to fight. We were still going to try to hold on to this stuff. And we, 
we at that point were starting to go to church. Dina had come to work at the restaurant and talking with her. We, we started learning more about different things about the church and we became interested. So we plugged into the church. And little did we know that God was preparing our hearts for a really rough time because we had a home, of course. I mean, we, we were, anyone who's had a business and lost a business, it's just a blueprint for what I'm sure you've gone through as well. Where you lose the, it's, it's just the fear, the, the unknown. All of these different emotions come upon you. But we had this incredible peace. And we never turned on each other. And we were there for each other. And it was just amazing how not putting stuff ahead of everything else, putting it in its right place, made it all okay. And we didn't really care as long as we were with food and a roof over our head, like Scripture says. And we've been blessed. And then now, in the long story short, which I maybe tell, tell another day, 20 years later, here I am. I had no knowledge of, of doing any of this work, but God taking that business away was the first step in me being able to come here and serve with you here. So, if we're not careful, stuff will never be enough. There's always a nicer car. There's always a bigger boat. There's always a further destination to go to. But remember, you're not going to be taking it with you. No one's buried with this stuff except for the pharaohs. And they don't get to enjoy it either. So Jesus told us just to focus on our daily bread. And that's, again, that, that whole idea of you know, just today is your day. Be thankful for what you've got today. Number six, being thankful will deepen your faith. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good, for His love, for His loving kindness is everlasting. That's like a different way of saying what the song was saying today. His love endures forever. The more we trust in Him, the more faith we will have in Him. They work together. The more you step out in faith, the more you trust God, the more you, you put back on Him the more faith you will have because you will see, you will see that He, even if things don't go the way you're praying for it to go or you're trusting for it to go, if you pray about it, you ask for that thankfulness, you're going to find peace. You're going to find thankfulness where you would not have ever expected to find it. And it's just more proof. And just you see how that works? The faith increases, increases the trust and the trust increases the faith. So number seven, being thankful helps us live in the present. Do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. Do not say, why is it that the former days were better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask about this. Don't forget that even the good old days were full of problems. Every single generation has their problems. Every grandparent looks at their grandkids and goes, oh, Everybody goes through that. But the truth of the matter is, today is a good day. Today is a day worthy of being thankful for. I know things aren't perfect. I know politics are crazy. I know people are making poor decisions. But I tell you what, when you read your Old Testament, they've been doing it forever. Poor decisions is what we do. It just looks different now because we have technology. Okay? Don't panic. Understand that things are good because we still serve a good God who is in control. The good old days is nothing for us to look back upon and, and yearn for. Today is the day that you have to make a difference. 
Today is the day that you have to go out and love somebody in Christ's name. It's a good day. Don't think about that. Be thankful for today. And like, like the writer said, don't be a fool and focus on yesterday. So being thankful is a testimony. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Speak of all His wonders. Making it known to the world that God is the keeper of His promises will draw people to you. Allowing God to use your pain for His good. Bring, it will bring more people into His family. As a human being, you're an imager of God. You were made in God's image. No other breathing, moving creature on this planet can say that. I don't care how smart a monkey gets, or if a dolphin picks the right to square over the circle, or the octopus can open a jar of mayonnaise. It's great. It's cool. It's fun to watch. But you know what? I just had a crazy thought. It's one of those things you probably shouldn't say what pops in your mind, right? When it pops in your mind, but I'm going to say it now. You know, some of these monkeys you see are pretty impressive, aren't they? They're up there. They stand up. And they look like, you know, somebody who just hit the gym, but they're in their back store from their posture. But they look really impressive. And then they, like, mess with the computers. And you see the one, like, hugging on, like, Robin Williams and stuff. But, I mean, Jesus threw a bunch of demons and pigs. How do we know? Just saying. Plant that seed. You may not know what I'm talking about. I'm going to leave it there. But we... What was my point? Can you go back? I lost my... I did my own rabbit trail. Testimony. Your testimony matters. Your testimony matters. I tell you, it's the most important gift that you have. No matter how powerful or how quiet. Notice I didn't say the word weak. A big, strong testimony that that will will shatter people and bring people to their knees and and they'll wonder how you say what you said in front of people is, is, is a great thing. But the soft quiet, humble, loving testimony bears just as much impact. And you have a testimony. And what is a testimony? A testimony is your story before Jesus, how you met Jesus, and then after Jesus. That's your testimony. So hopefully everyone in this room has one of those. And that that testimony, and if you can portray thankfulness in that testimony will draw people to Christ. That is how we do. That's how we help each other. That's how we, we come along people. When we have, like we talk about Celebrate Recovery, they, they come alongside you when you're having a struggle. Grief group, they come alongside you when you're having a struggle. And their, their words, well, you, you realize, I'm not alone. That's what your testimony can do. And God will use that testimony. It's a beautiful thing to allow the Lord to use your life to bring another person into His family. And that's why we're here still, folks. It's a great commission. It's what we're supposed to do. So please, share your testimony. Being thankful glorifies God. It helps us see God for who He really is. Puts us squarely in God's will. It brings us peace. It brings contentment. It deepens our faith. It helps us live in the present, and it's a testimony. And I, don't want, I didn't think to say it the first service, but if this is the list of what being thankful is. I hate to say it, but if you're not a thankful person, 
and if you have no desire to be thankful, you can flip all of these on their heads and see where that gets you. And then you can wonder why, when you wake up in the morning, you wonder why your, your eyes even opened again. So please, be thankful. Step out and be thankful. If you don't mind standing up, I'd really appreciate it, please. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, I'm going to ask you, like you did back in the day when you, you did the Pledge of Allegiance, to ask you to put your hand on your heart. And you can feel your heartbeat. If you are not a Christian here today, or if, if you don't know for sure that you've asked Christ into your heart, this is the only thing separating you from hell right now. This little beat in your chest is the only thing keeping you out of the gates of hell. But you don't have to face that. Jesus died for your sins. He wants you to accept Him as Savior and Lord. Trust Him so that you can do that. I read a quote recently that Billy Graham saw that 60 to 70% of the church were churchgoers, only in name. That means that many people, I mean, Billy Graham doesn't know everyone's heart. He didn't. He didn't claim to. It was just a number he threw out there, but he said it. I don't want you to be that person that is here because you were raised in the church, but you never had that personal commitment. Search your heart. Lean back and think when you made that commitment. I beg you today, to, if you cannot remember the time when you actually put your faith in Christ, when you asked Him into your heart, if you can't remember that exact moment, pray with me now. Pray with me now and let this moment be seared in your heart. Because it doesn't matter if you if you believe you've been saved for a hundred years and you and then you start to doubt it. And if you're standing here right now and you go, well, I can't remember when I put my faith. I've always gone to church. It doesn't matter. That's pride holding up that time that you consider being a Christian. Don't let your eternity hang on just a thought or an emotion. So if you don't mind, bow your head with me and let's pray. Father God, again, I come humbly to you today thanking you for the opportunity to speak in your name. And Lord, I pray for those who don't know you today that their hearts be softened, that when their heart does eventually stop beating, that when they open their eyes, Lord, they'll see you. That they'll know, that they'll know, Lord, that they're going to be with you for all eternity. So Lord, I, I humbly ask you to soften their heart. Allow their... Ask, everyone in this room to allow their heart to be softened. And Lord, pray with me now today, everyone. We just pray, Father God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've fallen short of your glory. I don't understand it all, Lord, but today I pray for forgiveness. I pray for salvation. I pray, Lord, for you to forgive me of my sins today, Lord. And Lord, I, and I pray and I thank you today, Lord for putting my sin as far away as the east is to the west as you promised you would do if I trusted you, Lord. So today I trust you, Lord. I ask you to forgive me and I ask you to enter into my heart and into my life and help me to be the best I can be in your name, Lord. And we say this all in your holy name, Lord. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you so much for being here today. I hope you all have an incredible week. And uh, Pastor Gary will be back up here preaching next Sunday. God bless you. Thank you again.